1: That's audible.com slash wonderypod or text wonderypod to 500, 500 This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, presented by Clear. Enroll today at Clearme.com slash Peter and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide.
0: Hi there, everyone. Peter Greenberg here with another edition of the Ion Travel podcast. This week, it's all about the cruise industry as it emerges from COVID-19. There are now about 220 ocean-going ships around the world, and most will be sailing and fully operational by the end of this year. But the struggles continue with countries, government agencies, health authorities, and passengers. I'll speak with Arnold Donald, CEO of Carnival Corporation. Before the pandemic, the largest operator of cruise ships in the world. That was Carnival. I'll also speak with Chris Gray-Faust of CruiseCritic.com. She's got an updated status report on ships, ports, and regulations. And with Tom McAlpin, the CEO of the newest cruise kit on the block, Richard Branson's Virgin Voyages, whose first ship, Scarlet Lady, sails this month for the first time. First up, Arnold Donald.
1: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive the hatchback that took you cross-country and back, and the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.
0: To be on the safe side, it would, be a, it would be an understatement to say it's been a long, strange trip for the last 18 months.
2: Well, i say that, first of all, Peter, it's just always good to see you. Um, yeah, it's been um, very trying for the entire travel and tourism sector um, uh, to be in the midst of this pandemic, in our case with crews, the long extended pause in operations um, with no revenue, et cetera. So it's been a trying time, but we are so excited to begin to be doing what we love to do, giving people joyful vacation experiences, building lifelong memories, starting to sail again, not only in Europe, but also here in the United States. Of course,
0: we have to start with operational issues before you even get to the fun, right? So the operational issues, I go back probably 15, 16 months ago watching the most disturbing video on YouTube of some of your ships being taken to Turkey and beached on the on the beach to be to basically be scrapped. That was that was such a sad thing to see at, at a time when you were you had unprecedented growth. Right before that,
2: yeah, we were growing great, but we always um, retire a number of ships. And what happened during the pause uh, due to the pandemic, we decided to accelerate the schedule of retirement. So we have exited 19 vessels. Some were sold, some were recycled, and uh, we have made that decision. And it was triggered, of course, um, uh, to accelerate the timing of those retirements. That was the catalyst. That was the catalyst.
0: At the same time, you had a lot of other ships on order. The shipyards at the time of the pandemic were full. They were doing 100% capacity, right?
2: Yeah, and they still are. And so there was a pause because like everyone else, their workers had to be in isolation, had to stay home, um, or or at least in isolation. And so there was a pause, but it was only a delay. So we're still taking new ships. As you know, we've taken um, the Carnival Mardi Gras, you know, a new namesake. uh, That was your first ship. uh, Excuse me, uh, the new mothership for our our namesake brand Carnival—it was, was the, very it was first the name ship. of the first ship, yeah. the Mardi Gras. So now we have the new Mardi Gras, and um, she's spectacular. Um, amongst other things, she has a roller coaster on top. But more <laughs> importantly, but more importantly than that, there's so many venues. We call them neighborhoods uh, for people who a great time. And she's sailing with with over 4,000 guests. She's currently sailing um, weekly, um, and she's uh, just a tremendous experience with high guest satisfaction scores. But we have other new ships, and um, the rest of our fleet across our brands. And so we're very excited. About the the new ships, and very excited to be getting the rest of the fleet slowly coming back on stream.
0: Of course, if you look at the whole travel industry as a complete sector, the challenges that remain for them are staffing in hotels, staffing at airlines, staffing at airports. You're in a different situation because you are back to 100% of your crew. I mean, you, you were able. To, first of all, you had to repatriate them. Right. You had to get them then brought back. Right. Then you had to find places where you could actually vaccinate them. Yes. Right. That was not easy. Right. Right. Because either you couldn't get them in the countries where they were based, right. or they or the vaccine wasn't available.
2: Right. Now, so- We're not back to 100%, Uh, we are back on individual ships with fully crewed ships, but all of our ships aren't back. You know, right now, we're sailing about 35% of our capacity. We're excited and are planning to have over 71 ships sailing by next spring and hopefully by next summer, having the full fleet back. Uh, but the ships that are sailing, yeah, we have great crew on board. They're giving the guests great experience. Uh, and But we do recruit from 145 countries. Uh, so it's complex, as you pointed out, getting them vaccinated and getting them to the right um, ports for the um, home porting and, and so on. So it's very Complex, but but it's what we do, and and we are successfully crewing the ships.
0: I mean, ironically, when the pandemic happened, the repatriation effort was bigger than Dunkirk. I mean, it <laughs> was right. You had to get everybody home.
2: We had to get over 90,000 crew members home, Peter. Over 90,000 at a time when there were no flights, borders were closed. Uh, It took us months, in effect, to to complete the task. Even in cases when we got crew back to their home country, the country wouldn't take them in uh, for different reasons. And so it was quite a a management exercise. But our people did such a phenomenal job. Our people are so dedicated, so motivated, so committed, and um, and so look out for each other. And so it was a very challenging task, but we got it done.
0: So now that you got them home, the challenge is how do you get them back?
2: Yes, well not so much how, because we know how to do that too. The trick is um, executing it. um, So we know what to do, but as you said, we have to get them vaccinated and we encourage everyone to be vaccinated. We encourage absolutely everyone. It's the best way to protect yourself, your loved ones and your colleagues if you're in a work environment. And you're vaccinated. Of course I'm vaccinated, absolutely, yes.
0: You know, beware the law of unintended consequences. Here you were in an 18-month period where you had a chance to do a do-over, a rethink, a reset. What lessons did you learn during this year and a half that you were able to apply that you never would have thought of before?
2: Well, I have to say, um, I, I can't say there's no lessons we hadn't thought of, but there were some big surprises. For example, I never would have imagined over 14-plus transactions, we would be able to raise $24 billion, about $4 billion in equity in the in the debt markets with nobody in an office, nobody we weren't in an office, the investors weren't in an office, the bankers weren't, the lawyers weren't. I mean, it's just amazing. So, if everybody, somebody was, so
0: everybody was in their underwear on a Zoom call.
2: <laughs> I don't know what they were wearing, but they weren't in an office. <laughs> and, and and if someone had said you would be able to do that, you know, the, the pause, we were in everything, no one would have believed that. I wouldn't have believed it. And so you, you learn a different way of working. Uh, the second thing is it enhanced our level of communications. We have nine wonderful brands. You know them all. Uh, and uh, worldly Cruise line brands, um, but the collaboration level, which existed, you know, previously, was just heightened and, and raised another level. We communicated more frequently, more often, uh, and people really joined together to work through, you know, some of these um, situations which were common across the brands, and so it brought us closer together. And in a lot of ways, um, it's made us a, a, a smarter, better company.
0: It's one thing to generate the capital, and of course, take on the debt. But now, how have you changed the direction of the company or of, of even where you're going with your ships?
2: Well, first of all, you know, we, while we're excited to take on the new capacity, the biggest change, I guess, is capacity growth. Uh, we'll probably um, be by 2025, you know, on a 2.5% growth rate between now compared to, say, 2019 and, and what 2025. Was it in 2019? And, and we would have previously been on a 4.5% to 5%. So you so cut it rate. by half. So it's, it's cut quite a bit, and that's because of the ships you mentioned that exited, um, et cetera. So it's not like we're building fewer ships because the ships that were planned to be built are being built, um, but because we exited a number, it's uh, significantly reduced our capacity growth rate.
0: But you're um, also building different ships.
2: Yes, well, of course, we're always building different no, ships. No, but I'm but talking
0: about new technology.
2: New technology, but we, a full range. So we have some small ships, some our venture ships for Seaborne, which we're very excited about, Uh, They carry a couple of submarines, they'll carry a few hundred people to go to exotic destinations like Antarctica and the Arctic. And then we're building our um, LNG-powered XL-class ships, very large ships for a number of brands that can carry up to 6,600 guests. And we're building ships in between.
0: But, you know, we all talk about alternative fuels. The airlines have been experimenting with biofuels, (laughs) etc. There's a matter of cost with the airlines, but when you built these LNG ships, or at least you came up with the concept, you didn't even know if the fuel was available.
2: Yeah, we didn't know how, we knew there was fuel, but we didn't know how we're gonna get the fuel to the ship. So our very first LNG ship, when it was designed, and we started to build it, um, we really didn't know what itineraries were actually gonna be available for that ship. That was our level of commitment and remains our level of commitment to sustainability and to environmental, uh, to ESG, our ESG goals, uh, to get our uh, carbon intensity down, uh, et cetera. we didn't know, but we went to work with Shell, Royal Dust Shell, and, and we. Uh, but by the time the ship was completed, we now have four LNG power ships. LNG is not the ultimate answer, but it does give us a great reduction in, um, in carbon emissions and it's the cleanest burning um, fossil fuel. So it's a step in the right direction. Ultimately, we want to get to zero emissions. We want to get to carbon neutral. We aspire to that 2050. We've got a 40% carbon intensity reduction goal in um, 2030. Um, our, we have a second goal on top of that because the IMO one is based on distance. Uh, we we that's, also the inter- have that's the International Maritime Organization. Yes, the International Maritime Organization. And we have a second internal goal of, of, of getting to 40% reduction based on capacity, which is a more um, stringent and a more rigorous target. And we've, we peaked in absolute emissions, in carbon emissions, in 2011. And um, between 2011 and 2019, we had 25% growth in capacity. Um, but we still had lower emissions in 2019 than we did in 2011. Um, and since 2006, we've reduced our carbon intensity by over 30%. So we're very much focused on that. Um, the industry is as well. And and we know we're a teeny tiny part of, of everything. In fact, I've seen studies that say that uh, the cruise industry did not exist. You couldn't measure the difference in emissions on the planet. But I'm sure a number of industries can say that. And it's the cumulative effect. So we have to do our part.
0: And I presume you figured out where to fuel the ships now.
2: Yes. Well, we've got quite a network established with um, Royal Dutch and now we have LNG ships that first one was um, in Germany Uh, but now uh, Mardi Gras uh, the new Carnival ship is LNG powered and and she's sailing out of um, Port Canaveral uh, here in Florida where I happen to be talking to you right now Uh, and uh, we have several other ships Um, Iona is a P&O ship that's sailing out of the UK that's that's LNG powered and so uh, you know we're going to see those ships all over the world now.
0: And what have you done in the last 18 months, either because you were, it was because of a regulation or because you want to be innovative in terms of the protocols on the ships themselves for the passenger experience?
2: Well, first of all, highest priority, okay, number one responsibility, always, always, compliance, environmental protection, and the health, safety, and well-being of everyone. That's our guests, it's the people in the communities we touch and serve, and it's our carnival family, our shipboard and shoreside personnel. So that's always our top Um, responsibility. So our protocols, informed by global experts around the world, uh, made certain that we were protecting people and making sure that there was no greater risk being on a cruise ship than equivalent land-based activity, and of course, we aspire to even lower risk. Uh, So we have a number of protocols, including we encourage vaccination, uh, we have pre-testing, we have testing on board, uh, where it's appropriate, there's social distancing, there's mask wearing. it varies around the world for a host of reasons because the destinations all have different, pro, you know, requirements and so on, and we have to be in compliance, uh, et cetera. But but we've taken the steps as we have in the past with other you know, threats that were not as universal as this one. So we've had to deal, as you know, with Ebola and Zika and um, MERS and SARS and all these different things. And, and so this one is unique because it shut the whole world down. And so we've developed the uh, unique protocols required to mitigate the spread uh, of this
0: one. Now, you say that you encourage vaccinations. You have a number of different brands. Are you requiring it?
2: Um, we, well, we have a number of different brands. There are places where we require vaccinations. There are places where we don't. And a lot of that, of course, is dependent again on, on where it is and what the, um, requirements are where you are or, or what you can do and can't do. Um, so we do encourage everyone to be vaccinated. And here in the States, of course, um, um, the ships are sailing under the CDC um, requirement for vaccinations.
0: Right. But I would assume that if you did a focus group of your passengers and they had a vote as to which ship they're going to go on, mm-hmm. they'd probably pick the one that was fully vaccinated.
2: I would say the majority of people would, um, but there was, of course people who feel differently and similarly over in Europe. You know, keep in mind, we were sailing safely in Europe with our Casa and Aida brands- um, where Before there was a vaccine. Before there was vaccines and during the peak of the pandemic. So there are other protocols and other mitigation measures you can take. Having said that, we encourage everyone to be vaccinated. Again, it's the best way to protect yourself, those you love and, and your colleagues. So we encourage everyone to get vaccinated. But
0: if somebody's not vaccinated and there are a lot of people who aren't unfortunately in this country, and they still want to get on a Carnival cruise, they can do it, but there's another another thing that takes place then.
2: Well, if it's in the United States, um, again, we are selling under the CDC um, requirements for vaccinated cruises. Uh, so, if you have a medical exemption or something, you can appeal. Um, generally speaking, for this just but but generally, that's that's how we're selling here in the U.S.
0: So, if I have no medical exemption and I want to get on a Carnival cruise in the United States, I have to be vaccinated.
2: You you have to appeal. And, and again, you know, because the definition by CDC is at least 95% vaccinated, um, and that, that, that makes it a vaccinated crew. So there's a percentage, and, and some people can't. Like there are certain kids that can't, you know, right. you know, they're not age eligible and so on. And so, you know, there's something, you, know, you have to have a little bit of flexibility to accommodate. But if you're at 95% plus and our ships are vaccinated, you basically have, you know, a vaccinated environment Now at this time. Um, because of the variance, et cetera. We're at this point in time, this can change. Uh, we, you know, started testing people as well, even if they were vaccinated. If you were unvaccinated, of course you're going to be tested, but even vaccinated people are being tested. So we're doing great screening and the protocols are working. You know, people are having a great time. The ships are sailing safely uh, and th- the protocols are working.
0: And of course you built in physical infrastructure on the ship so you can isolate people if there's a problem and you can monitor them.
2: No, yeah, absolutely. We do contact tracing. We can isolate um, and we monitor carefully. We encourage people. They have a sniffle or anything to, you know, get checked out because you want to identify quickly. Now most people are vaccinated, so the chances that they're going to have any serious effects um, from it are greatly reduced because they're vaccinated. Uh, so hospitalization or worse is highly unlikely. Uh, Having said that, we still want to mitigate the spread. So if you have it, you know, we want to identify it. Now we pre-screen so very few people can get on with the screening we are using that that habit, Uh, but it can still happen. And when it does, you know, we identify them and um, we isolate them and and get them off the ship and make sure they're comfortable and taken care of, and and we've had no disruption in sailings.
0: With all the rules changing by so many different countries every day about who's going, who's got a green light, who's got a red light, who's got no light, where are you going in terms of ports that you never would have gone before, or are you going to ports and staying longer times that you never would have done before?
2: I wouldn't say we're going anywhere that we wouldn't have gone before. Um, What I would say is that there are fewer places we can go, and that's part of the return to cruise. So. While again, we're starting to sail again. We're not at full occupancy. We're not at full capacity in terms of number of ships sailing. Uh, so it's a gradual comeback, and that's more related to destination availability than anything. So um, you know, it's not a new place because we, you know, you know, we went to 700 ports uh, prior to uh, you know the pause, uh, and we look forward to being able to go to 700 or more ports again very soon.
0: Are you using more of your private
2: islands? Uh, no, I pri- know We have six private destinations in the Caribbean alone. Um, we have the number one rated um, private island in Half Moon Key. Um, she's it's beautiful, it's pristine, it's, it's awesome. Um, it's been number one rated for 20 something years. I mean this island is just spectacular and people love going there. So we're using it but we were using it before and we have the other five private destinations um, as well.
0: What's the overriding lesson that you've learned in the last 18 months that you've been able to apply?
2: I would say um, I've had, again, an affirmation of lessons. First and foremost lesson always is to listen. Okay, If you listen to your stakeholders, you listen to your guests, you know, they'll tell you what you need to do to exceed their expectations. You listen to your people, to your employees. They'll tell you how to execute You know that in exceeding the guest nations. You listen to the experts you're dependent on. You listen to the global scientists and medical experts that you know, we work with to make certain we were actually honoring our highest priority of of making certain everyone was being served from a health, safety, and well-being standpoint. Um, you, You listen. To the media, you listen to investors, you listen, of course, in our case, to travel agent professionals, you know, who are obviously the people that have a huge amount of interface uh, with our guests, uh, as as their clients and our guests. And so, if you listen carefully, you'll get guided the right way that we listen to the market to make sure we timed our, you know, liquidity offerings at the right time and in the right way. Uh, So, if you listen very carefully, uh, you you know, it, you will be guided to what you need to do. So that lesson was affirmed. And then the other lesson is communicate, communicate, communicate. You know, the more you share, the more you inform, you know, the easier it is uh, for people to understand and be in a position to support what you need to do.
0: If you take a look at the travel industry as a whole and the airline industry in particular, The two biggest complaints during the pandemic were Mm -hmm. inability for passengers to get refunds on trips Mm -hmm. that were canceled by the airlines through no fault of the passengers. Mm -hmm. And the second thing was they bought insurance that they turned out to be worthless because on page 95 of the website of the insurance company, it said, oh, by the way, we don't cover for pandemic. And nobody ever got to page 95. Wow. So on the refund issue, have you finally resolved all those people got their money back?
2: In our case, um, we absolutely um, refunded and gave people the opportunity for future cruise credits. They wanted that or they could get the cash refund. And um, we did that. Um, We were generous with the future cruise credits. Um, It took us a while because, you know, this was unprecedented. So we had huge volumes, uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people to service. So it took us, you know, a month, a couple of months to to get through the original backlog. But we're way beyond that now. You know, people are being serviced and we absolutely um, uh, refunded people or gave them the option of getting a cash refund or a future cruise credit
0: and of course in the insurance area I'm still waiting for a product that's going to come out on the market that will actually be transparent enough to say you will be covered if there is X because it's it's basically trip cancellation and interruption insurance but it didn't yeah. cover the very things that we needed
2: well that one I can't comment on because again we took care of our guests right I mean they did whatever insurance no insurance all that stuff we you know given the situation we made sure that that we gave people the opportunity to get their money back if they're booked with us or they could get a future cruise credit Credit and some of the brands offer some incentives on top.
0: but the example I'll give you is if you go online to make an airline reservation, you can't mm-hmm. complete that transaction unless you either opt in or opt out of the insurance, not even knowing either what you're covered for or what you're not covered for. Wow right you guys sell insurance, your travel advisors sell it. So what are you telling your partners about what you are going to demand as consumer friendly company? To redefine the definition of terms about what's going to be on those insurance policies.
2: Yeah, that I'm not, I, I, I can't comment on that in terms of a boilerplate on an insurance policy, but what I will tell you is. As a consumer, though. At, at, at what I can tell you is yeah. um, from a, a cruise company, our cruise company standpoint, you know, our, our guests, Again, health, safety, and well-being, our guests exceed the guests' expectations. So we're going to act responsibly as we have. In this situation, You know, we didn't argue about refunds or anything. Um, we didn't say, what was your insurance we didn't None of that happened in our case. And so I, I think going forward, um, we're going to look at now, people have to accept some responsibility, of course. And clearly, um, uh, they have to make some choices in terms of whether they're willing to travel and if they get uh, uh, an infection or like any other sickness or something, that's a whole nother ball game. But In terms of this broad-based, overall, what happened universally, um, we took care of people.
0: You know, the subtext of so many travelers, it's not related just to cruise lines, it's destinations as well as, I can't wait to go travel, I can't wait to go, but I don't want to get somewhere and get stuck and not be able to get home. Right. That was the subtext, right? Right. You've heard it, I've heard it. We've experienced it. So what are you doing to allay those fears?
2: Well, I think uh, the experience speaks for itself. You know, we've been sailing now for many months in Europe. As I said, even before, there were vaccines. There were no disruptions. People were able to go and get home and so on. Uh, and now we've been sailing quite a while um, here in the U.S., you know, these past several months. Uh, we've sailed well over half a million people just our lines alone um, without disruption. Uh, so I, I think what we can tell people is we made sure we did the homework with the ports and the destinations to say, if there's a case on board, what's going to happen? If there are multiple cases, what's going to happen? So that the people get taken care of in the event there are cases and that everyone else can still enjoy their vacation.
0: My thanks to Arnold for an update on all things cruise, especially the continuing controversy over vaccine mandates. I turn to Chris Gray Faust, the managing editor of cruisecritic.com. Of course, I'm joined by Chris Gray Faust, the managing editor of cruisecritic.com. So Chris, I mean, in a way, it's, it's sort of weird to be here for this con- convention because not everybody is here. But at the same time, everybody wants to be here because it's coming back.
3: Well, that's the thing. You know, it's been a long pause for cruising. And so in, in, but cruise ships have been back since June. And so for a certain degree, you know, having sea trade like this, being able to see each other in person, it does have a feeling of normalcy to everything.
0: And, of course, it's an opportunity for people to realize that they've survived. And then how? it's not a question of whether they're going to move forward, if or when, but how.
3: Oh, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Cruise ships have been sailing from the U.S. since the end of June. And what the cruise lines want everyone to know is that they are sailing and that people can get back out there and do those vacations that they love. They really want people to know that it's out there. You can go to these islands. You can have the same type of fun you had before. Of
0: course, the optics are still with us. Uh, there were, those are indelible images going back to the early days of the pandemic where the princess ship quarantined in Yokohama, the Holland America ship with people sick and dying, being unable to dock because nobody wanted to let them in those images don't go away very quickly
3: you know right now it's it's a matter of the people that love cruising were eager for it to come back it's the core group it's the core group and as we heard today that's what from the cruise executives that's exactly what they were saying that the people that have been coming back first are the cruise enthusiasts people on our site cruisecritic.com of course are also those avid cruisers and so they have they were very excited for cruising to come back and they have been eager to sail all right well
0: let's talk about the interaction you're having with your audience What's their biggest complaint? What were they angriest about, um, and what do they want changed?
3: I think right now what is really you know, holding up people to getting back to the ships, is there's still a little bit of confusion between the protocols. Because let's face it, they're changing every single day. And it's not the fault of the cruise lines. It's just the the virus itself has been changing. And the cruise lines have to continually adjust to that. And the destinations that they're going to are adjusting for that as the virus rises and falls in different places. So I would say right now, there's still a little bit of confusion with cruisers and as to how you know, how hard it is to get on the ships, what are the hoops they have to jump through, that kind of thing.
0: And also, what are the regulations in terms of who's requiring vaccinations and who isn't? I would venture a guess and tell me if you think I'm crazy, but if I had to vote, by the way, you're going to guess where I'm voting here. If I had to vote on taking a cruise where there was 100 percent passenger, crew, and officer compliance with vaccinations or vaccination optional, I'm going on the ship where everybody's gotten a jab.
3: Well, you're absolutely right. You know, Cruise Critic has been serving our readers throughout this pandemic, and we found very early on that our readers wanted to get back on ships with a vaccine requirement. Very early, um, even when vaccines were just starting, about more than 80% of our readers were saying, we want a vaccine requirement on a ship. And so that's been very consistent throughout this entire time, that they are really studying these protocols, that they really want to go on the ships that have the more stringent ones, and that that's what's making them feel comfortable about going back to sea.
0: You know, I'm of the of the opinion that the state of Florida and the governor of Florida notwithstanding, and we are in Florida right now, most passengers are going to want to go to a place that's been vaccinated, which has nothing to do with the cruise line. It's their dry cleaner. It's their supermarket. It's the movie theater. And it's all being led by the private sector, regardless of what the governments are saying now, because they're hearing from their consumers.
3: That's exactly right. The cruise lines are doing what their passenger they're they're responding to what their passengers want. And what their passengers are telling them is that they want a safe environment. They want that confidence and I can tell you Peter when you're on a ship where everybody is vaccinated, when you're sitting down at a table and you know everybody around you is vaccinated, you feel much more secure there than you do in some places on land.
0: And the experience that I've had on two specific cruises, both of which we actually recorded on for this show, one was the Celebrity Millennium out of the Caribbean, and one was the Silver Sea Silver Moon on its inaugural voyage in Greece. Was that, yes, you could take your mask off during dining, drinking, or eating, right? But if you're on the ship, you're going to wear the mask. And the, and the crew was wearing the mask 24-7. They were, th- th- that wasn't an exception for them.
3: Correct. I mean, that's the thing. The cruise lines have been very forward about putting through these protocols that people are going to feel comfortable with. And I've now been on six ships that have sailed you know, since. Um, and I can si- tell
0: my audience that you are not glowing in the dark.
3: no I'm here alive and well (laughs) but what I'm saying is that you know it really when you're on these ships it's exactly what you described you feel safe on board you know people are following the protocols the crew have been empowered to uh, to enforce them and vaccines are being vaccine cards are being checked when you when you board the testing is going ahead and that you really do feel comfortable when you're on those ship environments that you know that people around you are following the rules
0: all right so what's the biggest challenge for your audience getting back on a ship right now.
3: I think really it is these changing protocols and the fact that we don't know what the virus is going to do. I don't think anybody can predict at this point. And so that makes it harder for people to plan in advance. What we've seen is that people sometimes are booking things more last minute because you're just it's just really hard to know two months, six months from now what's going to happen with the it, virus. I
0: guess it's one thing to say I'm going to book a cabin on the world cruise in 2023 and spend $70,000, which by the way they did and they sold out it's another thing to say, you know what, there's a ship sailing in two weeks, so they got space, I'm going.
3: Exactly. And I think, you know, the, but the rules are changing in the right direction at this point. I mean, what, and I know that the cruise lines are excited that there's. A, that it seems that kids between 5 and 12 might be getting vaccinated soon. That means that kids, spring break might actually yeah, happen. i got to tell you, ships. the other
0: day I was laughing when I heard that Disney was operating a ship with no kids.
3: <laughs> I know, it's weird, isn't it's it? It's weird. You know? But there's always been adults that have loved Disney. And so, you know, that they're the ones who are being drawn to it now. But, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the lines know that this is temporary, right? At a certain point, kids will be able to v- be vaccinated. They'll be able to have that safe environment for them and uh, for their families, and they'll be able to sail together.
0: So but then again, kids under the age
3: of five? I think we'll have to see what happens. You know, as we know, this virus has been a moving target, and who would have known a year from now what it is like now? Well, and On the ships that
0: you've been on, you said mm-hmm. you've taken six. What were the things you noticed that were completely different?
3: You know, I think people have been used to before. And, and, you know, honestly, this is a good change, I think. You know, people used to have those buffets where they would go and just, you know, serve themselves, that kind of thing. On a lot of ships now, it's, it's actually a serve buffet where the crew members are serving you. And I think that's a very welcome development.
0: Well, there's another issue here, which I, I, I keep saying. I, I want to thank everybody for the way that they're plating the plates now and during the buffet because I'm not overloading things.
3: You know, it reduces waste, and I think that that's also important, I mean, you the know? ships
0: would actually list to port or starboard based on what time the buffet was and where it was located on the ship. The lines, it was like, mmm, mmm. It was like herding cattle. I like the idea now that you go to a buffet station, there's a uniformed member of the crew there, in appropriate dress and gloves and mask, and you point to what you want. Now they're not going to give you like one french fry, but the point is they're not going to give you the entire tray.
3: You can always ask for more is the thing. I mean, it's it's all really a buffet is about having choice and there's all the same choices at the buffet and you can always ask for more if they're not giving you as much as you want.
0: I think what they should do is a public address and I'm saying, here making his seventh return to the buffet table. <laughs> No? No, you don't think so?
3: I'm not quite sure about that, Peter. I
0: think we call those guys out. I mean, <laughs> en- enough is enough. I'm, I'm into, like, you know, moderation.
3: Exactly, exactly. I
0: mean, people who come back from the ship looking like the Michelin tire man is not really what I
3: had in mind. Well, everybody wants to go on a cruise for different reasons, to relax. You know, I think after all of us cooking for ourselves, it's nice to have other people cook for you. So if people indulge a little bit more on this vacation, well, where's the harmony?
0: between cooking for myself and having other people cook for me, I know which way I'm going to go. <laughs> it's better food the other way around. Around, not what I'm for.
3: <laughs> exactly. And that's what people that's what people have liked cruises all the time is that somebody else is doing the cleaning, someone else is doing the cooking, you've got the entertainment, and all of that is still there.
0: Graduation is a sweet occasion, but finding the perfect gift can be a bitter struggle. MMS.com has a solution My thanks to Chris. In the midst of COVID, a number of new ships were still under construction. One of them was already positioned to sail. And of course, that got postponed. And that ship was the Scarlet Lady, the first new ship from Virgin Voyages, Richard Branson's new cruise line. Tom McAlpin, a veteran in the cruise industry, was brought in to run the company. And now about two years late, the ship is about to sail. Tom, welcome. I, 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 you and I have talked before. Uh, This is a long-awaited launch of your ship that's actually going to be cruising. Actually, I should say ships. And and when I think about your history that brought you to this point, let's go back and refresh everybody's memory. You started at Royal Caribbean. Then you went to Disney. Then you went to Resident Sea. And then back in 2014, so this is seven years ago, you got ready for this moment to, to first of all design, then build, and then launch a ship
4: in the middle of the pandemic. I know you planned for all of those things. <laughs> Not quite, but it is exciting time here. I mean, we're here at Port Miami. This is going to be our our home port. We're putting putting the. the final finishing touches on the ship and getting ready for our Mermaiden voyage which is going to be next week so exciting times here it's been a long time in the making yeah and it's been a a great exciting career more than actually a little bit more than than six years that we've been working on this but uh, I'm super happy and excited because we have created something very, very special.
0: You know, if we go back and you take a look at the history just of the ship, you, you announced a number of them. They they were supposed to, I, I remember getting the invitation to come visit you guys last year. That didn't happen because of the pandemic. You were not alone. The entire cruise industry basically came to a halt. Can you give me any kind of a positive note on what this time allowed you to do that, you know, you know beware of the
4: law of unintended consequences. What were you able to do because of this? Well, I'll tell you, we learned a lot. Um, We certainly learned about COVID and and how do we create a safe way to travel. And that's really important. We've got to instill confidence in in the American public. And so we spent 18 months looking at all of our protocols, uh, all of our safety measures, and we've enhanced those on board. Uh, We've invested in new technologies. So we have a system called Atmos Air. It's an air purification system. It kills 99.9% of all viruses and bacteria. systems that are similar to being used in hospitals today. Um, And, and also on top of that, you know, vaccines are a game changer. So we, if we want to create a safe way, we're requiring all of our sailors, all of our crew to be vaccinated. And then on top of that, we are testing all of our sailors before they get on board. So the combination of all of those things is really is a, is a controlled environment creates the safest possible way to travel. I mean, you think about it, you can't get that level of protection, going to a restaurant, going to a hotel, even going to your, to your grocery store. So the combination of these things, we believe, you know, lets people should feel comfortable and they can come on the, ship. They could take their mask off and they can enjoy cruising the way it used to be.
0: I'm assuming that, you know, it, it doesn't take a long you know passenger focus group for you to realize that if I have a choice of
4: going on a ship with 100% vaccination compliance or one without, I'm picking yours. Yeah, well, we think so. We've we've spent a lot of time and, and effort designing this. So safety is the number one thing for us. And we've created this, you know, think about our experience as a boutique hotel on the high seas designed specifically for adults with, you know, restaurants that you would want to go to on land six different restaurants you go to on a a different restaurant each night and entertainment experience that are much more immersive a theater that changes configuration three times and all of this put together and delivered in a way that only virgin can do we call it setting sail the virgin way you're giving me brand messages i see that okay going back to that i mean what did your experience at disney prepare you to do to design virgin well you know it's all about creating something that's different and disney went into the family market created a a product specifically for that market with unique uh ship designs and we've done similar here where we went out and we we hired a creative collective 10 uh, designers you know world-class designers like roman and williams in concrete soft room tom dixon these Designers had never worked on ship before. We wanted them to create something very unique and very different. And if you have a differentiated product, if you have different types of dining experience and different types of entertainment, and if you create a a, mar- a product specifically for a market, in our case for the adult market, and nobody else is doing that, that allows us to create a more sophisticated, a premium, a luxurious experience that that others can't because they, you know they've got family and, and kids on board, and nothing wrong with family and kids, but. If you want to get away and we know that you know moms and dads have had a tough time over the past 18 months they've been parents and guardians and teachers and kind of everything in between so mom and dads need to get out there and, and get away and this is a perfect perfect opportunity to get out in four or five nights on the scarlet lady and get refreshed and that's what you're doing you're doing four and five night cruises correct that's right so this ship will be uh, based out of miami um doing four and five night cruises to mexico dominican republic and our a private beach club uh, uh, at Bimini, the Virgin Voyages Beach Club, and this is just a fantastic place. Think about these two giant pools overlooking a, a plethora of palm trees. The backdrop is the beautiful Atlantic Ocean, with you know music that is curated in a way that only Virgin can do, and so it's a fantastic way to top off uh, the cruise. And all of our uh, sailings will stop at the beach club and we'll be also doing an overnight or a nighttime experience there. So a fantastic way, again, doing something a little bit different than the rest of the industry.
0: So basically it's called escape from your children for four
4: nights. Or for those who don't have children, it's great for them as well. But you know, I think everybody needs a vacation. You know, the number one (laughs) thing that people miss, you know, this uh, Peter is they want to get out. They want to get back traveling. And we have created a safe way for them to do that.
0: Now, what have you been able to do in terms of fine-tuning your shore excursions? Because it's one thing to say you've got you know 100% vaccination compliance, but you're dealing with different ports with different requirements. So, are there any of those bubbles still around,
4: or or are people allowed to roam freely when you when you show up at a port? Well, pe- people can get off and they can roam. We encourage them to take our excursions. We've also found that people who who take excursions they're uh, they're apt to have a better experience in these ports. So, we've created um, great shore things we call them. Uh, with these career experience in a safe way because we're requiring all of our folks to be vaccinated and, and, and to be periodically tested. So again, it's a safe way, but you're only off for a short period of time. Of course, on our beach club, everything is within that bubble.
0: Sure, I mean, I, have we really morphed from a um, from focusing, I guess the metrics on the vaccination levels of the destination to the vaccination levels of the people who are going? Sorry, say that again? Have we morphed from focusing on the vaccination levels at the destination to the vaccination levels of the people who are actually going?
4: Yeah, well look, we, we want to take people, if you look at the Bahamas, for example, the Bahamas is requiring everybody to be vaccinated I think that that is a growing trend that you're going to see here and you're going to see that the countries in the, in the Caribbean, these islands, they're getting, the populations of them are, are much more vaccinated so we're starting to see that that take hold and, and the levels that you're seeing out there are beginning to rival that in the U.S. And you're working with each individual port to try to fine tune all this simply because you don't want to restrict your passengers. That's right. We want our people to go off and have a good time. You know, our sailors want to have a an immersive experience. They want to enjoy the culture. They they want to go out and meet people. So you know, taking them to places where, like the Bahamas, where people are required to have a vaccine, we think is the right thing to do. When I hear you describe your passengers as sailors, it sounds like the fleet is in. It's Navy Week. <laughs> Well, we are, a, we are a fleet officially now. We have our second uh, ship, the Valiant Lady, we took delivery of and we will start sailing her uh, in March of next year. And then in, in, in June, she'll go to Barcelona. So I'll start doing cruises from Barcelona, then back, that ship will come back in the winter times in Miami. And then next August, we'll take delivery of our third ship, Resilient Lady, and she will begin sailing from Athens to the Greek Isles and to Croatia, and then to San Juan in the winter time. So we're excited, that's three. And we have a fourth ship we take delivery of in November of 2023. So yeah, we are growing quite quite quickly. We're gonna deliver three ships in 10 months. So basically, it's hurry up and wait and then hold on tight. And hold on tight, because we're coming fast, but we've got some fantastic itineraries. Think about Caribbean year-round here, shorter cruises, people can get away and enjoy themselves, take a quick break more immersive experience out of Barcelona, three different itineraries. The Greek Isles, San Juan coming shortly and Ship 4 is right around the corner, believe it or not.
0: Was the shorter cruise itinerary intentional on your part?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're trying to provide a different type of experience. Of course, the, the, the existing cruises or the past cruise are a very important part of our market. We are in this business because the cruise industry has been so successful with great customer satisfaction, great value for money. So we want to appeal to them, but we want to do it in a little bit different way uh, and, and allow them to come and test Virgin also for people who may not have cruised before. You know, the, they may trust the brand but want to get away for a shorter type of a cruise. So we think this is the right way to get people started with Virgin and then move up to a seven-night vacation.
0: So let me just see if I can ask one other question
4: about something that you're doing that no other, that I know of no other cruise ship is doing. Are you still having a tattoo parlor? we have a tattoo studio on board but we've got a lot of other really fun and exciting things to do we are finding there's a lot of who had a very successful season in the uk in, in august we found that a lot of folks that coming on board and getting their first tattoo on, on our ship. So pretty exciting. Let me see. There's a ship. There's alcohol. There's a tattoo parlor. What could go wrong? We're <laughs> <laughs> we just having fun.
0: Are you going to make me sign the waiver before I get the tattoo so I can't come back later on? <laughs> Absolutely. I knew you were going
4: to do that. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> so you coming on board, Peter, and getting
0: a tattoo? Is that what you're telling me? Uh, no, I have a career to protect. Thank you so much. But but the bottom line is that's something that's certainly a differentiating point for you guys. No one else is doing that.
4: Yeah, but it's not. that's not a real different. That's just kind of a fun thing to do to show we're a, a bit different and we're getting a lot of interest in it and look you know tattoos are kind of an expression personal expression so we you know we hire people with with visible tattoos that's okay that's part of who they are. We hire people, you know, for their talent, their personality, and we train them for success.
0: Other than the tattoo parlor and all and all the fun stuff we can have talking about that, is there one other differentiating point for you that the
4: minute you come on the ship you're going to realize this is not your typical cruise ship? Well, it's you know, it starts with the design. It's it the look of the ship, you know, inspired by super yacht design. All of the the spaces on are just wow factors. Um, but we wanted this to be a cruise that you go on, you don't feel like you're getting nickel and dime. So much more is included, right? You go to six different restaurants each night. All of that is included in the fair. Your gratuities are included. Wi-Fi, which we think is a basic human right. Your basic Wi-Fi is included. Your basic beverage package is included. Fitness classes. So we want you to come off saying, wow, that was the best experience I've ever had and tell all their friends. And that's what we want. As we we launch this brand, we need to create that great word of mouth. So the key is, once you're on the ship, you're not going to your wallet. You shouldn't. Uh, no, you don't need to go to your wallet. Of course, you're gonna, if you're going to uh, go to the retail shops and our casino. Of course, or, yeah. And those type of things, of course, yes. But but we want people to feel good about it and feel like they got great value. And that's what Virgin has always done, is creating great value. And what about the ship design in terms of the cabins themselves? What's different about the cabins? Well, we have these fantastic, you know, of course, we have our star Suites, which, you know, you have your own roadie and you've got a lot of uh, amenities there that are included in that. But our basic value, 85% of our ship has uh, exterior views so the way the ship is designed we have a much higher percentage uh, of balconies and the way that the the cabins are designed they're actually not completely rectangular so part of the the cabin is is wider so that allows you to have more room around the bed and the bed changes configuration so you come in and it's in bed mode uh, but you can also reconfigure it and change it so you have a sofa bed so you can do entertaining in the daytime and enjoy it and have a lot more room so the, 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 even the cabin changes configuration and we have a patent pending on that design.
0: I'm assuming you're aiming for a lower median
4: age. Well, I wouldn't say that. I, I say that we look for people that that are young at heart. We want to appeal to people who... Want so you'll
0: to- take me. So you so, so you'll take me. And me too. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, you're right behind me, by the way. Uh, but by, but bottom line is the age demographics and
4: cruising in general are changing. Yeah, I think more people are coming. Look, it appeals to a wide variety of people, and 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 that's good. And what we what we are seeing in the industry is you're getting people that are focusing on specific markets. You know, Disney's a family market. We are going after that, uh, that adult market, and by doing by by doing that, we can create again a more sophisticated, a premium, an upscale experience for our sailors without having to worry about kids in the pools or you know kids in the in the restaurants. They can have a great time and they can ha- and you know have what you- and they can have fun and act like kids too <laughs>
0: Are you changing the schedule within the ship? I'm assu- I've been on some cruise ships, you know, the bars close at 11 o'clock at night.
4: Something tells me that's not gonna be the case with Virgin. We will be more flexible and we'll, we will stay up and have a good time with you as, as long as we can. But it's also about, you're right, changing the protocol. Maybe if we have a big night the, the night before, maybe we don't get into port at six o'clock in the morning. We let you wake up leisurely and go to br- brunch and maybe we get in a little bit later. So we've adjusted the schedules around to provide you know more flexibility and less form. Formality on, on board our ship great. So it'll be the late sleeper cruise. I got it. Okay <laughs> That's right and plenty of and plenty of fitness places I think that there's over 10 places to work out so you can you know You can tox and then decox go to our the spa. It's we're very much focused on wellness great eateries where you can get healthy uh, Healthy foods uh, on board the ship. So there's a lot to do and there's plenty of places to work out and, and, and get back in shape
0: So we're going from port to starboard from tox to detox Absolutely
4: My thanks to Tom, to Chris Gray-Faust,
0: and to Arnold Donald. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, just
1: cruise over to our website, petergreenberg.com. Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at clearme.com slash peter. And zip through busy airports nationwide.